This is the Create the Smarts podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following into a profitable, future-proof education business that you control without being at the mercy of sponsors or algorithm changes. Each week we interview the world's leading creators to find out what strategies they use to diversify, stabilize and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan here and you are listening to episode number 100 of the Creator Smarts podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah, we, today we have a, a special episode because we have something to celebrate. So I asked nobody less than Peter Galante, the founder of Innovative Language, to join me for this 100th episode today. So Peter is yeah, the founder of Innovative Language. He started out originally as a creator more than 15, about 15 years ago. Um, he started with a podcast. Uh, was a podcast for Japanese learners. That podcast was a great success. So he duplicated the same idea and then he launched a podcast for, I think it was Korean and then for many other languages. Now, today he runs podcasts, um, YouTube channels, Instagram accounts, um, multiple apps in the App Store for 34 foreign languages and he um, he dominates YouTube actually he dominates the the entire internet with um, three content for um, for learning languages so that's why yeah we, we're going to talk today with Peter and we actually had him on the show about a year ago and in that interview we talked about how he grew the company to get today we're going to go deeper um, I had prepared a few tricky, well, tricky, more in-depth questions for him. So some of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode today is why Peter decided to build a big company instead of uh, just continue working as a creator. Um, what are some of the risks of not building a big company? Um, he's also going to give us some examples of the times when he struggled and uh, how he overcame those struggles, the scariest things about growing a business so big. And um, we're also going to talk about what to do with haters and how you can build an army of people that support you and that defend you once you get attacked online. So let's get started. Here is my interview with Peter. Hope you enjoy. Hey Peter, welcome back to the Creator Smarts podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really great. And uh, thank you again for inviting me on. And congratulations. Uh, so impressed with you guys. And I'm so impressed with what you're doing. It's, uh, it's inspiring. I walk away with a ton of energy to do new things by watching how fast you move. It's one of the things I miss. <laughs> Peter, you didn't know, but this is actually the hundredth episode of the podcast. And I wanted to bring on a special guest. So you are the special guest. We've done an interview last year. It's one of my uh, favorite interviews personally. Um, yeah, you are one of those creators who did not just say you're creative, but we actually build a huge company, right? So I think all of us can learn many things from you. I've also spoken to, you know, many of our listeners and they really uh, appreciated the interview with you. So yeah, that's why I invited you to come on for this, uh, to celebrate this 100 episode. How do you feel about that? Wow, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you should have prepped me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, congratulations. I think it's a testament. I mean, you know, hearing your interviews and the progress, it's it's quite amazing the value that you're uh, you know extracting from each person and providing to the community. So I think it's a testament to you as an interviewer. Uh, so and uh, to be the 100 guest, thank you so much. And uh, <laughs> last time, actually, I had mentioned if anyone wanted to uh, reach out to me, I'm always happy to, uh, and that still stands. However, last time, uh, quite a few people reached out and. Uh, from many different fields. So it was really interesting to see some of your listener base, get to meet them, and hopefully provide a little more value in person. And that stands. If anyone wants to reach out after, please feel free to contact me. Yeah, well, thank you very much for that offer. I'm sure there's going to be many listeners who are going to take you up on that offer. Um, so last time, last year, we talked about um, we talked about how you built the company, right? So you started out as a, as a creator with a podcast at, a, at the right time. What was it like 13 years ago? Can you just maybe recap that for our new listeners, um, like where you started and where you are today? 
Sure. Uh, I think it's about 15 years ago we started with podcasting, one podcast teaching Japanese. And from there, 15 years later, we have 34 websites,、uh, 34 podcasts, 34 YouTube channels. And last year, or about two years ago, we passed the one billion lesson consumed mark. So we've、uh, started with audio and we made quite the expansion to many other digital products and channels. Yeah, so you're originally from New York, right? But you live in Japan.、Um, you have your office there in, in Tokyo.、Um, how, how big is the company now in terms of like, number of employees? So、um, we have about 70 people working around,、uh, working around the globe full time for us. And that doesn't include the people doing part time work. And、uh, interesting, since I think maybe our last conversation,、um, we've had some experience.、Uh, Virtually working, actually going from a office where we had about 35 people, full time people here in Tokyo, and we haven't been in the office for about 10 months. So I have some interesting thoughts on that if、uh, later on you want to touch on that.、So. Yeah, sure. Let's talk about that a little bit later. For now,、um, you know, I've actually prepared a few questions. I usually don't prepare questions for my interviews, I try to keep these things spontaneous, but I know there is so much. Knowledge that you can share with our audience, so I just want to make sure to be prepared this time.、Um, one of the questions that I had,、um, of was actually also, these are actually also、um, questions from our listeners. And、um, I guess one question that I personally had is that you started out as this creator, right, with the podcast, doing everything yourself, a podcast for Japanese learners.、Um, You decided to take your business to the next level and to, to, to build a big business.、Um, why? Because there are many people who are just happy to be a creator, right? And they want, to keep they want to be the creator for the rest of their lives. You decided to, to make that switch and, and, and say, okay, I'm going to hire people for the content creation. I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to be the, the business builder. Yeah, tell a little bit about. How you made that decision and, and why you had that ambition? Yeah, I think,、uh, for full disclosure, no idea <laughs> at that time.、Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting to look back in hindsight and say, well, I had a clear plan, I had a clear vision. But、um, I think we might have talked about this before. And,、um, you know, every year there, there are certain best practices that.、Um, That really have value.、Uh, yeah, let me ask you a question. Have you ever written a like, mission statement?、Um, not really, but like when we write like, a, a tagline on the website or something, then we, we, do, we do write down or we do think about a good brand statement so that as soon as people land on our website, that they can connect. They're like, whoa, this is what I want. I want to be part of this club.、Um, So, yeah, I, I mean, I studied marketing. I have a degree in marketing, and we always had to write down like mission, state, mission and vision statements, or how do you call that?、Um, never done it in that way, but most of the time, just yeah, when I had to <laughs> create a website or had to come up with a good tagline. I think having a, a good、um, a brand statement I think is quite important, but yeah, that's also something that I only learned later. You know, and it's so interesting. We recently did an exercise, and the reason I'm talking about this is when we first started, we were thinking about、um, maybe taking some investing. Some people contacted us as we started to grow, and、uh, we had to put together a business plan, mission statement, and things. And, you know, it was a good exercise. And a year later, we looked at the statement, and it changed so radically. Yeah. And, you know, these things are always kind of in flux. So, yeah. You know, you don't always have to have your next three years mapped out, but I think what you do need is a clear, concise plan for what the next product will be.、Yeah. How many subscribers do you want to get to your newsletter? And these smaller goals will eventually snowball into these bigger things. Looking、mm -hmm. back in hindsight, you might be able to connect the dots, or they might even, not even be related.、Mm -hmm. But I think if you focus, focus on these smaller goals, more relevant to your current business, and think about, Getting dollars in the door now to fund this next thing you want to accomplish, I think that, that's where probably the priority should be. And again, I'm speaking from someone who bootstrapped. If you have a different plan and you're trying and you have investors and you want to、uh, bring on more money, I think maybe a different 
uh, guest could probably give you more insight. So my, my approach is always from the bootstrapped. We never took outside investing. So our goal was focused on bringing in dollars to fund the next product. Yeah. And in our case, it was the Japanese 101, Japanese Pod 101 uh, website that was driving the revenue to start the next website, which was then Korean Class 101, and then the next website. Yeah. And in doing it that way, um, you know, we learned how to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Would you say that you are goals-driven? Because we work with, you know, some creators who were very comfortable um, making enough money, doing what they love, and um, well, they're, they're happy, they're satisfied. They do not really have the need to push themselves to the next level or to, to hire people to create new products. I mean, yeah, it, I guess those are things that always contribute to a, a bigger business, but there is not really that pressure. Like, have you always pushed yourself forward or have you had people around you who, who push you forward? Why? Let's take one step back and analyze mm. these the creators that who, you know, you know, it's funny, like um, sometimes I think some creators underestimate what they've done. Yeah, well, I've only just, you know, I kind of just started a channel and I grew to 100,000 or 50,000 people and, you know, I just made content for a couple of years. I mean, that in itself separates you from kind of someone who thinks about doing things to executors. You're already an executor on a high level. Now, I think what happens is that a few things, uh, and speaking from my own experiences, when you first strike out on your own, there are these learning curves, right? And everything you do in business is a learning curve. You mentioned marketing, what you do. So let's just take a creator. So creators making videos. So there's probably a learning curve for videos. There's a learning curve for marketing those videos. There's a learning curve for setting up a website. There's a learning curve. So I think people, regular people, maybe have a capacity for just a few learning curves. People who are doing well and self, you know, really promoting themselves and growing their base, these creators, they probably have a capacity for 10 to 15 learning curves easier. Yeah. But I think you kind of can relate on how many learning curves. It's maybe infinite. You give me a hint here. <laughs> yeah. I try to limit it now, you know, because I... Now I realize that I need to focus on the most important tasks that, that only I can do. Like, for example, these interviews with you, right? But man, I used to do everything myself. Like when we started Langpreneur, I was, you know, I, I told Oli like, yeah, okay, then we're going to do this and I will create a website. He said, <laughs> man, you cannot do all the things. Hire somebody to create a website for us. And, you know, I used to make all these designs in, in Canva myself. And he was like, I don't want to see any kind wow. of designs anymore. And now we start working. He said, man, your goal should be to, to outsource to, and, and, and to delegate and to, to spend money, you know, and actually getting all the stuff done in a professional way. And yeah, now I'm trying to, to limit myself and, and, and just focus on to basically not learn any new skills anymore, but just get better at those <laughs> skills that I'm already using. Um, I guess that's also the power of, of, of having... Um, a business coach or, or or a business partner, right? To to just keep you focused and and make sure that you don't do any stupid things. But yeah, that's um, that has been really useful for me. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to these learning curves, so you have these high level executors. These people had an idea and went from idea to executing, and maybe they've been through about four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of learning curves, and that willingness to add one more to their belt under their belt is kind of like it gets to be a hurdle and like you said there's business partners I, i'm lucky to have the best one of the best business partners in the world and you know he we split these learning curves and we share the learning curves and so to these people who got to a certain point and sometimes you know they're content and that's okay um but sometimes like you said, there may be a partner short, a business partner uh, short, a mentor short, an advisor short that maybe could help them accelerate those learning curves mm. in areas that they might not know. In my case, uh, my business partner takes care of a lot of the technical things. We share expertise. We share. And, you know, one of the kind of lone, toughest parts of being an entrepreneur, it's pretty lonely out there. Yeah. So there's that, you know, uh, being outlets for one another. So these are all components that give you the energy and motivation to keep taking on these learning curves. Yeah. So what has been your motivation to work towards your goals then? Having the business partner or 
I've the feeling that you've always been a very. I mean, I I don't. <laughs> I only know you since last year, but like when you hear you talking and you're talking about these goals and you know you always want to go to the next level, more revenue, hiring more people. I mean that's that's quite that's quite fascinating. Is that have you always pushed yourself or were these other people around you? Yeah, man, such a good interview. These are these are great questions. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I think the original motivation was competitiveness. Yeah. And I would say the unhealthy competitiveness, meaning like, uh, you know, in school, we're taught to compete against each other, right? So, you know, when we see someone, we're kind of, I'll speak for myself again. <laughs> I was kind of taught to, you know, who's the best guy? All right, let's compete with them. And then if you can meet the best guy, then who's the next best guy? And so there's this unhealthy competitiveness that I think <laughs> a lot of us are <laughs> trained to do. So I think that's what kind of jump-started it. But there's actually healthier competitiveness, like meaning um, that I was able to reach with my business partner, that we're competing together. And then we're including people in the team and we're creating a mastermind where that mastermind is not the arch enemy. Like we think of these superheroes and the mastermind is the, the bad guy, but the ability for, for say, for example, Jan, you and me to work together to create a higher level of intelligence. So yeah. this mastermind um, is something that you can get to if you can move past that, that, that initial unhealthy competitiveness and move towards something a little more healthy and working towards a common goal yeah. and trying to reach it faster. Yeah. All right. What Man, is this got deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I like these. Uh, I like these conversations. I'm sure <laughs> our listeners enjoy it too. But that's also the reason why we, for example, started this inner circle, right? So, um, yeah, being competitive, I guess it's uh, it's it's a good thing, especially in business. But I think it's also important to realize that you can often learn from your competitors and, and work together, right? By by brainstorming, by doing all these mastermind sessions. Um, that's why we launched the inner circle last year, which you are also part of. Um, yeah, it's it's good to have that that to not have that scarcity mindset. Um, yeah, let me just tie this together full circle. So I started with that unhealthy competitiveness and um, moved towards this healthier competitiveness. And since then, you know, there are stages I went through. You know, that unhealthy competitiveness got me started. And but just in order to grow, in order to trust people, in order to leave things to people, you have to work past that thought process of you know that you're always going to be the best one to do something you have to learn how to trust and you have to learn how to do these things in order to build and a funny thing kind of happens on the way that you realize that hmm, maybe you're not the best at all these things uh maybe there are people better and you find out fast in my case uh you know uh well, we could touch on that a little later but there were certain things that i did that i felt gave me my identity inside the company and as the company grew I learned how to delegate these things. And as I did, all of a sudden, I found that other people did them better, faster, and smarter. Yeah. And it was kind of humbling in a way. Yeah. But it was okay. that comes with that confidence. Yeah. Can you give an example of a task or a skill that you thought you were the best at, but then you found out that you could actually hire people who could do it better than you? Everything associated with my job. <laughs> Everything? <laughs> Marketing, managing. Really? Uh, um, kind of half-heartedly, but actually there's a grain of truth in it. Uh, let, I'll take you back to the first thing. Um, so if you ever, if you're into audio, I think one fun exercise, you should download one of our podcasts and uh, like open it. And um, I'll tell you the settings to take a look on. Look at it on the thermal. And you'll notice that there's not a lot of uh, mouth noise. And we actually do a very, very um, detailed process on this. And actually, sometimes our audio sounds unnatural because we clean it too much. Mm -hmm. And your ear is accustomed to hearing certain things. And, you know, I was the one who kind of developed, was involved in developing this process. And later on, we hired actual audio engineers. And they're like, oh, what you're doing is cool, but watch this. And they ran circles around me. <laughs> then they added programs to it. And 
it was quite humbling to realize in about two weeks that, uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily, you know, in fact, I, I was probably pretty amateur at it. But yeah. um, it was a great humbling experience because it, it, tell, it taught me that, wow, there's a lot of really, really talented people out there that yeah. I need to be working with. Yeah, it's good to see that, right? Because once you realize that, you start thinking, hey, wait, maybe I can also hire people to you know, to help me with other tasks. Maybe they can also do a better job than me. Um, yeah, let, let's just move over to the next, um, well, next topic. I mean, it's all the, sa all the same topic here. What do you think are some of the risks of not building a company? Do you think that every creator should build a company? Yeah, that, that's a really um, tough question. I, I, that's a very, very tough question. So when we say creator, we're, we're talking about like one person or two people. Yeah, small, creating content. Like yeah, yeah, well, mm -hmm. yeah. One or two people working in a team. Oh, but that's, well, I think most of the time it's just one person, right? So creating, creating content, right? So it could be a podcast, it could be an Instagram, uh, on TikTok, on YouTube, creating. Uh, yeah. materials that other people enjoy and then maybe they try to sell something to their audience. Okay. But I think that's... And let's just define... Yeah. yeah. Sure. And let's just define um, a company as like a legal entity. So maybe if we could refine the question a bit, yeah. maybe do they need this legal entity? Yeah, maybe I mean a team. So should every, should every creator build a team? Yeah, that's... <laughs> okay. Um, my... I think it comes down to each creator um, has the reason that they were driven to do this. And, so, you know, I've met some people who are quite content uh, to have, they feel like they've had enough. Um, although deep down, when I, when I see some people, you know, if they've taken it this far, that shows that deep down they're pretty motivated people. So um, let's approach the question this way. I think, that everyone should try to to build a team. And whether building a team is right for you or not, I think you should give it a shot. Um, you know, a, a wise person once told me, you should try everything once. And more, I heard a more interesting approach to this. Uh, you should try everything twice. <laughs> I like kind of like that one. But, um, you know, I think the risk of doing it alone or keeping your team still is that, new blood can be very very beneficial to keeping up with the changing times i mean since we started this we've had to that's what most people don't realize that the company's always also evolving so teams always evolving so if it's the same few people doing the same thing for 10 20 30 years it could work but there's also a chance that it won't evolve but by adding people and adding ideas you know, whether you take them or not, that's your choice ultimately as head of the team. But I think it's always, there's always value in trying to grow. Because like I said earlier, I was very humbled by growing the team because at each step, I pretty much found someone who is better at me than every single job that I've done. It, it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, it makes my job a lot harder because I truly believe that in order for you to effectively manage, you have to have some understanding of what you're managing. And I'll go back to that audio example. Mm -hmm. um, when we try to hire someone to do the audio, we try to outsource the editing of the audio. And we would send a file to someone who wanted to charge us $100, and they send the file back in five minutes. And we knew our process took two to three hours. And we were able to identify early on that all they did was run a filter on this piece of audio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you, maybe you can relate to this. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking about an entirely different example, but maybe funny for our listeners. I, I used to live in China for a few years and uh, the toilet was, how do you call it? The toilet was blocked one day. So I had to arrange yeah. somebody to, to un unlock it. How do you call it? Un unblock it? Uh, uh, plunge it, yeah. To, to plunge it, okay. So I had to, uh, I, to, I found this person at the reception of like the compound where we were living, and he said, like in Chinese, I can make it 600 yuan, which is like 70 euros or 
like eighty dollars. I was like, that's that's quite a lot. But he was like, yeah, it's a lot of work, and you know, I have to come with all these tools. And I was like, whatever. And he came to our apartment. He spent five minutes in the bathroom. He came out. He said, yeah, it's fixed. Please give me, please give me eighty dollars. He earned that in fifth in five minutes. And I gave him the money because I was so shocked. But afterwards, I was thinking. I was like, shit, this guy ripped me off. I shouldn't have given the money. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's not it's not really related to business, but I, I understand that feeling. So, you know, in this case, if you had known a bit about plumbing, you would be like, God, listen, this is you know. And so that basic knowledge, not expertise, but that some basic knowledge inside of a field, I think gives you the ability to manage it. And... I think that's one of the important things. And so when you're growing the business, as we started to grow each step, as soon as I handed something off, I was forced to get out a textbook, find the best blogs, find a podcast and start learning the new yeah. area, which I would yeah. focus. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had to do this four times a year for 10 years. Now I've got a good skill set now, yeah. but again, it goes back to this question when you have a small team, right? Mm-hmm. You are a master of a few skills. As you're growing the team, I'm kind of like now a jack of all trades. And where is that inflection point, right? When does yeah. that jack become valuable versus the king or queen of, um, or the ace of be making these viral videos, right? Yeah. And that's why it comes down to a personal choice. But I think you should always be challenging yourself to bring people on. And it's going to help you grow. Can you manage effectively? If you can't, why? Actually, get some feedback, learn, think, etc. Yeah. What is the scariest thing about building a business so big? Some people are scared it's to hire just one person. You hired over over seventy people. Well, seventy full time employees, right? And then you have lots of freelancers as well. Is it? Isn't that? You never go to bed in the evening and think by yourself, "Shit, this is actually quite scary." <laughs> what I'm doing with all this responsibility. No, actually, not till you just mentioned it now. So thanks a lot, Jan. Really helped me out there. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to cut this off. I got a couple of things I need to check on. But, um, you know, I, I think big, small, we have the same fears. You know, I mean, my fear is I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm trying my best, uh, you know, but, you know, you always, again, it goes back to schooling in a way. You know, we always have someone there to tell us if we're on the right or wrong track, right? Here, I mean, who's telling you this stuff? You know, <laughs> yeah. there are certain numbers that point the right way this year and they don't point the right way next year. And you hit the panic button and some people are better at having faith and things like this. But um, yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Have you ever thought about, I mean, now we are like 15 years later, but, but when you started, had you never thought about building a so-called lifestyle business, you know, where you could just travel the world, make some money and enjoy life, uh, avoid big business challenges um, just live the the easy life, and like 15 years ago, I mean, now the situation is different, right? You you have a house, you have kids, you have more responsibilities. But I, I think, and I, actually, I think this question will take us back to the first question, which was, why did you decide to 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 build a company? Um, you never thought about why not just do a podcast, you know, make some money and, and live the easy life. That's, it's so hard, right? Like if you look back now and you say, yeah, I could have the number one podcast inside of traveling around the world and talking about the best hotels. Oh, man, that sounds really, really good. Uh, man, you got me tempted again. Thanks, John. You're really <laughs> taking this. You should do this every week, Peter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, but again, I, I think I think we all experience very similar things. We're kind of in the trenches in a way where, you know, for Jan, for you, you're trying to get a podcast. I, if it's, let me go out on a limb here and remember when I was getting, you know, I was doing a podcast a day. So I wasn't focused on my one year plan. I was focused on getting that podcast published before I left for that last train. Yeah. Making sure that I have it done by Friday yeah. so I could get home and spend a little time, little downtime. Right. So we're kind of focused on these immediate goals. We can't really, you know, I mean, you know, you could easily flip it around. And yeah, if we have 15 years, where do I want to be in, you know, 2030? Yeah, we, we probably picked one niche and focused on that exclusively and built up our 
you know, media and for each channel and focus just on one thing, kind of what you're doing. I think mm-hmm. you have great potential here. I mm-hmm. love it. I think what you guys are doing is incredible. Yeah. But right now, you probably don't see it that way. You're probably seeing, all right, I got a deadline. Yeah. The 100 show has to be out by what day is it going on? Yeah, Friday and Tuesdays. Friday and Tuesdays. It's got to be out on this day. It's got to be edited. It's got to have, you know, the graphics with it. It's got to be, we got to double check, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, but taking some time, maybe if you take, if I, yeah, maybe giving you some advice, maybe you could cut the show short two times a year and then focus on the bigger picture stuff. That would probably be some advice that I might take looking back, but. Yeah. What do you think are some of the mistakes that other creators make? I mean, you know, other creators, we, we as I said, we do these, these inner circle uh, meetings. Um, maybe in your personal network, you, you also know other creators. I mean, by creators here, I mean content creators, right? So people who manage to turn uh, that online following into a business. Yeah. What do you, do you see them making mistakes or does it depend on, I guess it also depends on, on what their goals are. What I kind, I kind of reverse it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of reverse it. I, I think I kind of reverse it. I think everyone, every creator that comes across, and again, this comes with time, um, confidence in yourself. Often when you're starting out, you, you don't have some, uh, again, speaking for myself, I didn't have a ton of confidence. Confidence comes um, with experience and how does that saying go right? Uh, good experience comes from making mistakes. <laughs> so yeah. you kind of got to make all these mistakes to get to a comfortable place. So when someone cro- someone comes across my feet now and I see them doing stuff, I'm like, wow, these guys are doing great. Um, and one thing that I think one kind of common pattern is I don't think people realize um, how much star power they have um early on when they're doing this right so it, it was a, kind of a, something that happened to me too i didn't really see myself as having any star power but for per- certain people listening to the show there is a bit of star power inside of this so you know sometimes when you're doing this realize that you know you you have a bit of star power people um you know you you, you can reach out to other people doing this and nine times out of ten, they're going to be receptive. But a lot of times we're doing our own thing and we think we can't reach out to that guy because he's too big or yeah. something like this. But it never hurts to try to reach out. And yeah. if you reach out to them, you'll find that you can actually cultivate a relationship. And then if they're really the people, if they've reached a certain point, will be happy to share with you and help you grow faster. So, yeah. you know, believe in yourself. Realize that you're making it if you've come across, if you've hit any threshold yeah. and reach out to other people. And if you want, please reach out to me. And I'm always help if I can, if I can fit you in, I'm always happy to spend time with you because somebody like me, Jan, someone like you, someone like Ali, someone like the people in your inner circle, they can really accelerate the learning curve in a lot of areas for these creators. Yeah. And there are always certain things that, you know, famous people or successful people can admire you for right and now sometimes i reach out to other people for you know for these podcast interviews i'm like why why should they do it i mean they're making tons of money they have a big audience they don't need my audience because it's not really relevant to their audience uh, either but you know they go to they go to the website to see some of the things that we are doing oh we're organizing these mastermind events oh they have an inner circle what is that about then they go to the podcast they listen to a few of the episodes and they're like hey that's actually quite cool what these guys are doing yes i want to be i want to be part of that club and then they're saying <laughs> yes i guess that's one reason why, why did you agree to to come on the podcast the first time you know i i like i like uh i like you i like ali i like I believe in what you guys are doing and it reminds me, I think it reminds me a lot of when, you know, I was starting out. Um, not that you guys are starting out. What you've done is incredible, but you know, it's that hustle and it reminds yeah. me it's motivational to myself. Um, you know, I show my kids, you know, you, you guys, uh, are inspiring. It's motivational. And the longer you're in the, the longer you're working, the longer the journey is sometimes, you know, 
<laughs> the bigger your family gets, et cetera, you're getting pulled in all these directions. And yeah. it's always nice to be reminded of your roots. Yeah. You know, that Friday, that Tuesday deadline, staying up late, you know, it's I th- exciting. I think it's very important to, to realize that, but also to hear that from you, you know, because like when I reached out, I think we first connected on LinkedIn. I was like, yeah, why, why would he come on our podcast? <laughs> he has, he, yeah, he has, he has no no reason to do it unless he really likes it but i was like you know i'm, I'm just gonna try and i did it with everybody and i'm so often so surprised that people say yes and yeah they want to be part of the club so i think it's important for you know for our listeners for all the content creators to realize that 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 there might be reasons um that there are a lot of good reasons for for, for people that they want to connect to 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 agree on a potential collaboration for example or or just a chat and, and exchange some thoughts um you know and one thing too that that kind of goes back and you know speaking on a very uh, human level here you know it's kind of like anything in life um you know if you move schools or if you move to a new place and uh you know people i'll speak for myself you know you, know, you get insecure and you know and you guys are warm welcoming and um you know, you're, you're created a community that's trying to support other people doing this. And, you know, the emotional aspect of entrepreneurship is one of the most, <laughs> one of the most ignored fields of it. It's just, you're highly competitive, highly motivated, like highly motivated. And, you know, you can often find yourself fully locked into your business or thinking about business, even when you're in non-business even when, when it's your downtime your mind is still processing bits and pieces of the business so to have another group of people you can talk with share things with and have another outlet is incredible because then you can really focus on your personal side of things which is often really neglected mm-hmm. and anybody who has people support any entrepreneur that has a person that has the people supporting them you know take a minute to say thank you to them because they're really incredible people yeah to put up with us <laughs> yeah uh, peter on the podcast we talk about a lot of our successes um achievements let's share or would you mind share some of your like mistakes or some of the struggles that you've had over the last 15 years yeah share one of your your, your biggest mistakes that our audience can learn from <laughs> i could start with my I had a list for today. <laughs> you have to be a little more specific with these <laughs> struggles. Um, you know, uh, okay, I have two pieces of advice. Uh, one concrete and uh, a clear mistake, a business mistake, and I have uh, a um, one mindset mistake. Let me start with a mindset mistake. Um, you know, I think people can get tunnel vision on, uh, you know, uh, there's... There were multiple times when business goals got in the way of um, life events that I should have been part of. And uh, I learned my lesson. I, I don't make that mistake anymore. But there are times when um, certain life events uh, were sacrificed so that, you know, because I felt this responsibility to the business to keep it growing. And, you know, there's a, a Billy Joe song like uh, Vienna, like Vienna, Vienna is waiting for you, right? Like you can take it, you know, take the take the phone off the line, and you know you can afford a day or two. Mm. And it's really good advice because when you're so locked in to getting to that 100th episode in yours, when you you're almost at this revenue mark, when you're almost at the subscription mark, you're so absorbed into this, and um, you really think that. The business needs you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you find yourself in that state, that, that's not, not good uh, because the business doesn't need you. And if it's there, then you definitely need to revisit your earlier question about building a team. Because, you know, a business is supposed to, you're supposed to have a life outside of this and the main reason to do this is so you could do the business longer because if you don't have a life you're going to burn out mm-hmm. so that's one mindset mistake a little bit deeper a concrete mistake was um many years ago i decided to uh <laughs> well this this idea of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs often think 
we often think, Jan, or I often think I could do something better than someone else. So I see something and I'm like, I could do that better. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, well, I have, you, <laughs> have to give you, a, yeah, you're putting me on the spot now, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, when I started this podcast, right, it was like, wait, nobody is, nobody has a podcast in, the, in this niche. Um, but even, you know, the example that I gave earlier when it comes to design, like often I have a very clear idea of, you know, if I want to have something designed, I have a very clear idea of what it should look like. And then I'm like, I can do it better than a designer. But then when yeah. the designer does it, I'm like, oh, wait, no, wait, this is actually way better. So, yeah, of, of course, but I, I try to, uh, I try to, um, to trust that there are people who can do things better than me. Yeah, must, I'm still in that process. So, yeah, I, my kids were learning phonics and I was like, I could write better phonics books than the phonics books out there. And so I took about a year out of my time and uh, I wrote like 70 phonics books and uh, another 16 kids books. And we created this whole kids guided reading product. And it was really cool. And I mean, <laughs> we tried to originally contact a publisher <laughs> and license the books from them. But it was taking too long. So I'm like, you know, I'll just make them myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> it's like the epitome of um, yeah, arrogance, perhaps. perhaps. Yeah. But um, so anyway, we, we, I, we executed them and uh, it was really fun. And I have this product, but the sales were not, the sales did not justify the investment in the product. In the end, uh, we managed to uh, adapt it to language learning. So we actually have a publishing, we adapted these books and it, it worked out okay in the end. But the product by itself was not a sound business decision. And it was kind of shocking in a way that the first time, a lot of times when you do things, you're willing your way to a victory, right? With this podcast, you willed your way to this hundredth episode. You willed your way to getting the site up. You willed your way to this inner circle and it's powerful. But man, sometimes you will your way and it doesn't work out. Yeah. And that was very humbling. Yeah. Well, what do you do? Have you ever had much hate? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and how do you deal with that? Because I know it's, I know it's, it's, it's holding people back from, from creating content. I have this, um, uh, this coaching client and she's a therapist. And, and she really wants to, I mean, she has a, a local, a local clients, um, but now she wants to take her business to the next level and actually, you know, reach people from all over the world. So we'd be talking about you know, maybe launching a podcast uh, or a YouTube channel. And, and she's like, yeah, but you know, if I'm going to talk about all these topics that are so controversial, um, I'm sure I'm going to get lots of hates and I do not really want to do that. What, what would you say to people who receive hate and who, who are di discouraged to to continue create content yeah i think let's separate the hate because i think there's wide segments of hate right and um so i think inside of hate there's a subset of people who just want to be acknowledged yeah so in the past we've received i received messages <laughs> and you know pretty tough messages um let's say not constructive criticism messages yeah. <laughs> and you know it's quite amazing what people can do with slang in the english language it's really quite remarkable yeah they can be creative huh? they can be creative so um if you feel that this this person can be engaged then um yeah i, I think it's worth trying and i've had a lot of success with engagement uh in diffusing quite a few people in fact you can even turn a hater into someone who supports you. Um, often people want to be heard. And, you know, think about this, you know, there's, and the fact that people are voicing it is actually better than silent hate, which you can get on the internal side with a team, right? Someone can have a lot of um, animosity towards you and not tell you anything about it until they leave and then vent all of that animosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can't, then it's too late to do anything except for, um, you know, wish that you could have known, so you maybe could have made some changes. So yeah. there's a subset that you can work with. Um, and then there's a subset that, you know, 
no matter what you do, they will find a way to twist it against you. And that that's happened a few times. Um, and there's only one way to deal with that. And for your coach, it's that you get better at what you do. So when I first started the Japanese Pod 101 podcast, <laughs> actually early on, it was a, a sister site popped up that would note all of the mistakes that I made inside of the podcast. Like literally go through the, like have a transcript of at 405, Peter said this, but guess what? This is actually, they were actually really good at it. <laughs> Should they have hired them. Way to contact. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have any contact. Otherwise, oh. I was going to try to reach out and hire them. <laughs> So, so at, first, yeah. at first, I um, felt sad. Uh, and then there's two options. I could have shut it down and be like, yeah, maybe I'm not meant to do this. But I took the other approach and hired a team. And we went through the content I was creating. And the podca podcast got better and better. And eventually, they shut the site down. They said, recently, Peter hasn't made so many mistakes. So we feel our work is done. Yeah. In a way, they did accomplish their goal, not in a tactful way, but you know, we got better. That's all you can do. You can only control what is in your ability to control. So it's your coaching friend. The only thing that that coach can do is get better and better and better. Yeah. I also remember that once we had a conversation on this topic in, in I think this was the first inner circle or like the, the meeting that we did last year. And um, I think there you, you came up with the idea of so this was a person who was receiving hate from other from other creators, and and you were, I think the advice that you gave there is that that they can that they should uh, socialize, connect to everybody else in that industry, do collaborations, basically make sure that everybody in the industry knows you and is your fan, that you have a good relationship with everybody. So as soon as you get attacked by someone, you have created this army of people who like you, and then they will. They will solve the issue for they will defend you can you can you ex, ex, expand on that yeah i um i i think um you know a lot of again we're always constantly changing and um going through these changes and i think a lot of this advice going to just what you touched on is you know if you take your best foot and you always put it forward you know, if you're bigger than someone else and you help them, then they may or they may not help you later. It's not really a preemptive move. But if you are sincere and you're transparent and you're out there to help other people, people will acknowledge that sincerity and the fact that you helped them when they needed it. Yeah. And. When you do that, then people will defend you. You can't always count on them, too. Sometimes people are in their own interest and, you know, you can't, I helped you, I need your help now. You can't always expect that. And that's why you do the best to control what you can. But if you stop for a minute and take a look sideways rather than always what you're trying to get done, and sometimes you can see different angles and the value in, you know, building relationships inside the industry. And it's something that, you know, an, an area that I wish I had done earlier, too. I wish I'd reached out to some of these other people. I wish I had uh, deepened connections with people like yourself and other people inside of this inner circle. Because, um, you know, there's a lot to be said when you have a network, uh, you know, a lot of happiness, uh, yeah. a lot of interest when you travel to meet someone. And there's a lot of benefits that come to this. Yeah. So, you know, building that 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 up within the industry yeah can be very very uh powerful way but uh, the motivation should always be sincerity when you're doing this yeah you know and transparency and then you know if you do the right thing a lot of times you'll be surprised people will do the right thing by you yeah so in the end it all comes down to having this positive mindset right having this positive mindset you know of of wanting to improve seeing criticism as feedback you know that can help you improve yourself but also cultivating all these relationships um going out there just doing a lot of good things and, and staying positive is, is that the answer then to how to deal with yeah with hate yeah and you know um you're gonna it's eventually if you can if you're mentally tough enough it's gonna make you stronger yeah. it's going 
to make you better. But man, I'm not saying it's not easy when you're getting bombarded with hate mail. I didn't like looking at that site every day. It wasn't like the most motivating thing. Um, but, um, you know, uh, again, it's we go back to this looking back in hindsight versus, but I would have been, you know, there are lots of people who look back in hindsight who quit because of something like this. And you can't let that happen. Yeah. You can't. Mm, can't. Call me up if, you, if you're debating whether email me directly i won't let you do it because you know looking back we've grown so much and that site is i don't know where it is mm-hmm. peter you started out as a as a creator right you did everything yourself you were very passionate and also when you you know you when you watch some of the uh, the leading creators in online education on the internet now like you you see like very um most of the videos are very informal so you can relate to the people, very easygoing. Um, it's almost like they are your friends, right? Now, that's how you started that. But now you, you, you run this company, you hired all these actors and you had to structure the lessons, right? Because that's what an organization does. That's also part of the power of your business that you can easily scale, right? And, and duplicate content uh, for all the languages. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, que- the question is, how do you think bigger companies like the company that you built yourself can compete to these new creators? And how do you think these new creators can compete with you? <laughs> you know, when we first started, we were, I was a small creator. And, uh, you know, uh, we always saw like that. You always see yourself as, uh, you know, uh, going against the grain, uh, like swimming upstream, like we're making something that's so different. Um, and as you get bigger, like you are on one side and it's the academia and schools are on the other side. But as you get bigger, yeah, yeah. you are coming closer to the middle yeah. and academia's was used to be so rigid and they're coming closer to the middle. So I think there's always middle ground. And I think the people who can see the benefits of both are the ones that will progress the fastest because there's value in what creators are doing. There's value in what schools are doing. There's value in that content being created. And so try not to see yourself. If I look back at myself, I try not to see myself as, you know, going against the grain, but what can I do that would complement yeah what they're doing in the classroom and vice versa yeah so what what are some of those examples so uh to give you some clear examples um standardization is 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 quite powerful um when we first started uh the time of our lessons were a little um all over the place but you can take lessons from movies and tv shows so we moved to 12-minute standard time, 15-minute standard times. These standardizations actually helped in the productization of things. Yeah. Because if you're taking a few podcasts that are each an hour long, and all of a sudden you got one five hours long, then it doesn't fit. Then it's like five CDs and et cetera, et cetera, or yeah. whatever the megabyte down, gigabyte download is, et cetera, et cetera. So by thinking about the ultimate product that you want these bits of content to ultimately flow into can really help reshape the way your content uh, creation process is done. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the power of having a big company, right? You have, well, you, you, you have lots of, of people working for you. You have money to spend as well to invest in good materials. You can make look everything look professional. Um, you can easily duplicate content for a new language so i guess those are some of the advantages and then some of the advantages that creators have is that they are well they can be more informal right they can act like they can be the friend of of the viewer what do you think? <laughs> um so i love what you did right there that's like the that's the um i saw it written out a book that's the that's the trick humans play on uh that's a trick our minds, that, that humans, we use our minds to play tricks on our rational thinking. Like, as soon as we get to be a bigger company, 
then everything's perfect. You have the team yeah, that yeah, can do yeah, this, yeah. And, right? So I guess and there's always a sacrifice, like, right? There, it, there's always headaches, at, there's always issues at every step. What you can enjoy now as a small creator is that you're actually making that content that's reaching directly to the people without an editor, without a publisher, without anyone in between, and enjoy that moment. That's what I miss the most is that making that fun content um, and interesting content that resonated with a certain type of listener. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question. What would you do if you had to start all over again tomorrow, like within the same industry? Would you, would you just run your podcast, um, low-pressure job, maybe hire one or two team members, stay small, or would you build the exact same thing or maybe make it even bigger? What would you do if you had to start all over again? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Mark Twain card, right? Like, uh, what does he say? Any, anyone who said they would want to live their life again as a fool or something, I, I would not. I, I would stay the course. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if it would have worked out better. You know, I could tell you the only I could tell you that when we were one of the we were one of the, the day the App Store opened, we were in the App Store. Yeah. And from there, we took a creating many apps approach. So um, we would have, if I could redo that, I would stick to one app <laughs> that's manageable. But, you know, um, everything we've done, we've learned from. And so I wouldn't change anything. I know it's a bit of a cliche answer, but yeah, I'm not one to go back and uh, I can't change it. I w what I will take moving forward so can I change your question and say, what would yeah. I, what am I going to change today? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, man, you guys are super inspiring uh, with your rebranding. That was super cool. It's something we've been kicking around for years now. So we're going to push forward on that uh, rebranding. Um, I will continue to be transparent with people, um, you know, clear, open books, um, continue to put our best foot forward. If you want to reach out to us, if there's something you know, if I if this in my capacity to help, uh, let me know. Please contact me, and I'll do everything in my power to try to push you along your journey. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, just kind of abiding and moving forward with the things we spoke about. Yeah. So I can't change that stuff. Let me focus on today. So let me try and help jumpstart some other people. Let me try and give advice to some other people. And for our own stuff, take a page out of your book. And you know, rebranding's not easy. Yeah, I can only imagine what you've had to do, but uh, you know the fact that you've done done it—that's inspirational stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're that's proud yeah. Well, that's the benefit of having a small, a small company, right? With a small following, a small podcast, uh, a small website. We don't have too many products. Actually, we don't have any. Well, we do have one digital product, but yeah, it was relatively easy. So I can see how for an organization like yours, yeah, yeah, is nothing what we did relatively easy but yeah thanks for the compliment anyway um peter the, lots of things in the industry in the, in the industry has have changed right so 15 years ago when you started that was when um when apple launched uh, their podcast app or that, that podcast uh platform um again the same question but now the perspective on on like what kind of platform yeah what kind of platforms would you use if you had to start again today, what would you do differently in terms of um, yeah the, the platform? You started with podcasts. What would you focus on today? I know that one of the um, one of the reasons that your company grew so quickly is you started at the right time. But I also remember from the interview we did last year that every time when the new platform came up, so whether it was the podcast or like the app store, um, you were very early on. Like you, you, every every time when something new was launched, you made sure to be on that platform. Taking that into account, what would you recommend creators do who start today? Should they go all in on on TikTok or on Instagram Reels or on I don't know on, on Clubhouse, or should they choose more traditional platforms like like YouTube? Um, you know, uh, it's a really tough question. You know, some, some, um, things I feel confident <laughs> in strongly recommending others. 
um, it's a little bit outside of my uh, current area of expertise. There's yeah. some people who are, you know, I've seen what people can do with TikTok. I've seen what people can do with uh, Clubhouse. I've seen what people can do with Instagram. Instagram's quite interesting. Um, so let me, again, uh, alter your question. I, I think it's my, my superpower, <laughs> altering interviewers' questions. So I think ultimately a lot of content starts with white paper, meaning even if you're doing uh, Instagram, even if you're uh, doing YouTube, um, it starts with an idea and then it starts with a brainstorming session and it starts with um, many other things. I think the iPhone makes, you know, being great pictures and video so easy to create and um, access. So I think basically if you start with this white paper and you have a concept, you kind of map out how the content can go into each channel. It's kind of related to education. If you take a clear look at some of the stuff that we're doing and some of the stuff the other companies are doing, the pedagogy of education hasn't fundamentally changed. You're, you're kind of still learning, you're still testing, you're still, many things are the same, but the channels have drastically changed. Yeah. So if you can properly map what you want to do on white paper, you could see the channels that could best benefit you. For example, if you're going to do an eight-minute YouTube video, because that's what the algorithm wants is an eight-minute video, then a bit, a snippet of that can easily go on Instagram. A snippet of that can easily go to TikTok. Yeah. So those video-centric things probably would want to organize. You'd want to organize together, and you probably might might want not want to do a podcast initially. Mm -hmm. You might want to stick to video. So you can probably map out the type of content you want to create based on your brainstorming on a white paper. And then reach out to Jan or someone, maybe Jan, or you can reach out to me and say, hey, am I on the right track in the right direction? And someone in our networks could potentially help you just brainstorm a bit. And you could say which channels you kind of want to approach. Yeah. All right. What do you think is the future of the creator economy? Uh, well, what I mean by that is... Um that 15 years ago, I guess it was not so easy to sell an online course for $100, $200, dollars $300. But nowadays it's very common, right? People are used to learning online, especially now. What do you think is the future for um, the future for education in general? And how important is the role of these creators going to be? I mean... Creators are making remarkable content. It is unbelievable the quality of the content that's being created um, these days. And I suspect that that's only going to get better and better. Um, I think a lot of value will come from the organization of the content. So, for example, um, if someone's creating... Instagram word of the day. Again, maybe you started out because you just wanted to make something cool and all of a sudden it's taken off. You've gotten a lot of subscribers. So you're making you know, word of the day. Now, where do you go from there? Do you keep trying to grow your Instagram? Yeah. Do you try to create a product? And I'm a big fan of like creating products. So one idea would be that you create a calendar for 365 days a year and then you actually have this like visual calendar, video calendar, or something you brainstorm so that the content you're creating pools into a product. And all of a sudden, as you as time goes by, the time's working in your favor, not against you. Each year you're building a product. Maybe, you know, because of the popularity of this word of the day, what's an expansion of that? Maybe it's a phrase. So you have a word and a phrase. And that kind of creates something like um, an infographic. But you're, you're thinking of the ways that you can provide higher value while maintaining what you're doing. Yeah. And then infographic goes on a site and that site requests an email. You're building your list. So you're constantly thinking of ways to evolve via productization 
and building the building blocks or creating those flows to collect the marketing uh, channels. Yeah, so number one is, is staying consistent, make sure to regularly put out content, and then at the same time trying to build a backend, so a suite of products. And um, I guess marketing materials is another thing, right? You can have traffic to products, and then you also need to make sure that, that it converts and that you can sell it. Um, yeah. Yeah, most people, we, we spoke about it last time, most people are so afraid to ask for money or they feel sometimes too that their product is not good enough to ask for money we're almost there but next month we're gonna add this one feature and that'll be the catalyst for me to ask for money yeah <laughs> when the product will ultimately never be good enough for them mm. when you start judging your own things you know you're making a mistake of thinking for the customer yeah don't do that Final question: What what do you think is the trend? I mean, you, what has been the trend for the last fifteen years when it comes to online education or selling online courses? And where do you think we're going in the next fifteen years? Well, I mean, if you take a look at the video content, you take a look at the academics behind the content produced ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and now, I mean, it's getting better and better and better. So thinking about that organization of the content, uh, thinking about how to test the, for the content, those are the two areas that I think um, can actually provide a lot of, um, if you can execute the right way, can continue to provide revenue for the next 10, the next step. So if we go back and we say that, creators are finding ways to monetize their money now but as the content gets better and better why would someone pay for the content because yeah. the content's getting better and better it's so good what are they going to pay for yeah that's and i think question. the answer is the organization and the testing and the tutoring along with this yeah and the personal attention maybe as well personal attention yeah, that that's one reason people buy from, especially like the smaller creators. They have that benefit of, like that audience. They want to be part of their, a part of their community, right? They want that personal attention, and even if they cannot provide the attention personally, they want to be part of the community. Um, Peter, I'm sure that we can we can go on for another two hours, <laughs> maybe three. Um, yeah, be that one. The five CD or the five gigabyte download, right? <laughs> yeah, we can we can work on that over the weekend if if you want. But yeah, let's wrap up the interview for now. If people want to learn, if they want to connect to you and they want to learn more about you and your work, what should they do? Uh, please reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn. You can find more about us at innovativelanguage.com. Um, and again, if uh, anything in this podcast resonated with you, please reach out to me. I'm always you know, uh, these days are a bit busy, but I always will always try to find time uh, because key thing is, and, you know, I mean, the fact that you're listening to this podcast, just look at what, you know, Jan has done and Ali have done. This is remarkable, really, really remarkable. So, you know, take inspiration from that. You know, you, you're, you're so close. By listening to what they're doing is a step. By doing your own stuff, it's a step. And But the whole thing is the journey is long. So don't stop stepping keep going and you know if talking to Yana talking to me is going to further you along please anytime alright thanks for listening to this episode and if you like this episode then please give it a positive rating in whatever podcast app that you're using and if you want to listen to other interviews or just learn more about what we do then make sure to go to our website creatorsmart.com see you on the next episode ciao